0: Hi everyone, it's me, Bankole Mokode from the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. I just wanted to let you know about a new Spotify feature. If you like this show, or maybe you hate the content but want us to succeed because we're such swell guys, you can tap the bell icon on our show page. That way you get notified about new episodes, and then you also start following us. All the latest episodes from the shows you follow can be found in the What's New feed on home. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can also follow us and please rate and review. Enjoy the episode.
1: I think that if somebody is wearing a wire, it's probably it's probably Carl. It's probably <laughs> Carl, maybe Frank, but it's probably Carl.
0: Hello and welcome back to the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. It's our fifty-first episode. Today, we're going to give a quick preview of the final two episodes of the season, throw some theories around and see where they land. Again, another excuse to gush up our succession and this incredible show. And coming down from his mental disorder treehouse to join me this episode, it's our guest today, Abube. (laughs) That's good, man. How are you, Abube? Abube is a part-time academic, photographer, filmmaker, and just like all round storyteller. So, another point of view for why... This is the best show on TV. How are you? How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me.
0: No, thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, this this show is definitely the best on TV. At least as far as dialogue goes, I think it has some of the best written conversations I've ever seen. Um, And I think that's one of the things that really makes it great. So so yeah, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. So what we're going to do, like I said, we're previewing the final two episodes of the season which is eight and nine and what i'm going to do is like i have kind of like these stock questions i always ask everyone that comes on the podcast because i want to know what kind of succession fan you are because like and that good thing about the show is that like there's so you can be so many different kinds of fans you can be like the fan who is here for the crude jokes or, or the fan who's here for like the business machinations or the fan who's here for the sibling rivalry, like all fans are welcome. So I always like, like to know what kind of fan.
1: Yeah, sign me up guests. for all of the above.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, those are like once you can like take a bit from everything, you just enjoy every second of the show. Before we even go into what are your thoughts on this season so far? We're seven episodes in and that has happened. What, what do you think of the season so far?
1: I think it's really good. I'm always very impressed with. The way the writers are able to build up on things that have come before. Mm-hmm. It's like they build things, they use those things as setup, and then there is payoff even within the setup. And that's something that Succession is really, really good at, you know, cause and effect, setup and payoff. It does both brilliantly. And it's like there's always a domino effect to people's actions. Yeah. So it's like the show is constantly like. Just innocuously whispering from a distance, is like, that's gonna be important later, you know? But like, it happens so much that those instances kind of like melt together. And it's like, when things happen, it's like, oh my God, of course. So, like, the season has really felt like an explosion of ideologies from different sides. It's like everything we saw in season one, it's like there was a battle that was gonna start. We didn't know it was gonna be a battle. Mm-hmm. Then, season two, we kind of followed this lull of, um, confidence from Kendall. We see like trepidation on Logan's part. We see what everyone else is doing around it. And then we get that, um, surprise at the end of season two with the whistleblowing. Yeah. And now we see what actually happens with that. It's like, we, we get to, I guess, see how far Kendall thought ahead. It's like, okay, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. What happens next? This is the ra- This is the, the day my father's reign ends quote unquote, but you know, how do I make that happen? Yeah. How is everyone else going to react? Oh, there's a government? Yeah, what's the FBI <laughs> going to think? That <laughs> kind of stuff, you know? So it, it's been fun looking at how people have like, I think this season has been, um, has been doing a lot in the way of showing us where people's machinations have led mm-hmm. and you know what they've kind of figured out in terms of like, okay, what's our trajectory here? Yeah. So it's been good watching all those ideas collide.
0: Yeah, that's mm, yeah. I mean, I did say you're a part time academic in the intro, so <laughs> there you go. Have you have you ever grown up into the popcorn for dinner podcast? Now that I know kind of your thoughts or rather your joy and love for this show, which is the required amount of love that is needed on this podcast. Let's let's go a bit macro. Let's go season one, two. So fine season three. Who's your favorite character? I like this. This tells me who you are as a person. Yeah, Yeah, I
1: know. (laughs) Okay, so I'm gonna say that it's probably Kendall. Let me or let me put it this way Kendall (laughs) is the person I am most invested in. So it's hard to say who is a favorite character just because you kind of enjoy watching all of them, Mm -hmm. and at the same time, all of them are decidedly terrible people. Yeah. Right. Kendall is the kind of person where you you see a lot of potential for change for growth, but he can't leave well enough alone, so he sabotages himself, Mm -hmm. and that's what's frustrating about like looking at him, watching him, you know, investing in him. It's like it's like you're screaming at him through the screen, and he can never hear you. Of course, he can never hear himself. He's just I don't know. It's because it's like he could be he could be good, but his endless desire for his father's approval, you know, forces him to, I guess, um, even thwart himself in terms of like what he actually wants. And and it's ironic because he's actually like his father in in a lot of ways. I say other than Kendall, I do enjoy watching Greg (laughs) because he's low key, low key becoming so, so, so competent. Like he still sounds like Greg from season one, episode one, but he's not. <laughs> he's really not.
0: One thing you said about how, like, you're trying to shout at Kendall through the TV and he can't hear you, and I'm just like, even if he could hear you, he'll probably like cut you off. The last thing Kendo wants to hear That's... is like the truth. Like, we see what he did with with Lathan's character, Lisa Arthur. Like, oh my god! So he's, he doesn't want to hear that. Uh... And yeah, I mean, obiora and I discussed it on the last talking about episode seven, the party, yeah. and we discussed how Kendall. He's trying to achieve that confirmation, affirmation from his dad, and when he realized that he couldn't do that, he replaced his dad's approval with like literally the entire world's approval. Now all he cares about mm-hmm. is what Twitter is saying and what yep. Z-Way's, um late night talk show host is saying. So like, yeah. if you can't get one man's approval, and he wants to get into it's just yeah,
1: I, and it's so disingenuous.
0: Yeah, it's secret that I ask everyone who's your favorite character and if they, I don't think I have a favorite character i guess this is why i'm the host of the podcast
1: yeah the the rules bend for you
0: i literally love every character on this show except carrie i don't like carrie she's the only person i don't like oh my goodness
1: you know we'll get into carrie i have
0: thoughts (laughs) oh fair enough (laughs) uh i didn't like i I don't like uncle ewan as well but i can he's funny but carrie has no redeeming points for her and i don't know if this is like my patriarchal brain and i'm like angry with her i don't know maybe i don't care i'm just saying like no i just don't like carrie uh do you have a favorite episode or bonus question do you have an episode where you know like the show hooked you in okay so when did you sorry before, before you even get when did you start watching the show were you like season one or
1: yeah that, that's where i was gonna start because um, i'm the kind of guy who will see a show like this and be like huh legacy cinematography. HBO, mm-hmm. look at these characters. I know some of these actors. This looks kind of interesting from a story point of view. I'm going to start from the beginning. So like, I'm, I'm the kind of person who was like, I was watching Game of Thrones from, I was current in like season one season two. The same thing with this one. Oh,
0: fair enough. Okay. So it's
1: like, when it started in June 2018, I remember looking at it and thinking, okay, I'm going to give this like maybe three episodes and then I'll start. So I can like get a little bit of a first impression. Yeah. and I, and, and that's what happened. I watched episode one and thought, okay, I have an idea of what these people's world is like. The show does a really good job of helping you understand where characters are coming from just at a glance. Mm -hmm. So right there from the beginning, you understand not necessarily just yet what everyone wants, but you understand on some level why they might want the things that they want. You get a sense of what's driving them and you get a sense of their overall persona kind of how they're viewed from the outside world. I think that first episode shows you what the average person who knows what the Roy's are like mm-hmm. or sees them on TV would think about them. Then as the episode progresses and then you get into episode 2 after Logan is in the hospital, you get to know them a little bit more, right? So in at at that point like I started and watched those first three episodes and I was like, "Huh, okay, this is interesting." Then episode 4, I think the point where like I was where where I caught up was episode four when they had the Recney ball. And Connor was in charge of that, which was so entertaining to see because it's like, okay, I have a foothold. I have something to do. They got me out of New Mexico. I will make New York work yeah. for me. And that was really interesting to see because Logan starts to recover a bit. Kendall starts to do damage control. Mm-hmm. Rog- I mean, Roman is still being quite a prick, but at the same time, shiv is you know we start to see how she thinks a little bit what she does how she has control over tom and um i guess there wasn't really like i didn't have like a lot of um of episodes to sort of choose from in terms of like okay this is the point but i kind of had no choice seen seen as like i was always current Mm -hmm. but like i think that episode four definitely solidified it like i think 3 and 4, if they weren't as good as they were, I might have waited before continuing yeah. or something like that. But like, they, those episodes did a really good job.
0: I think 3 is, and I was discussing with someone, 3 is the sh- is when you know what the show is. Yes. It's well documented on this podcast about how, for me, I loved episode 1 the first time I watched it. But episode 2 was a bit difficult.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but I think when I went back to watch 1 and 2 and 3, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I get it. I get what this show is trying to do. And then everybody knows I listened to this podcast at 6 was the episode that I was like, okay, Bancolet, you're going to watch this show, even if it runs for 20
1: seasons, like yeah, the devastation.
0: <laughs> and there's actually a shot when, just when Logan says, let's play the game, and I think Roman is like, oh, are we going to play the game? And they all start laughing in a way that seems so villainous, like if anybody can just go back and watch that scene. Like, it's maniacal, literally. The laugh is almost like they're all, it's just like, I'm just like, what is going, on? what is the game? And and then black people in your
1: basement? What is the game? Right, <laughs> right. You think it's something sinister. Like, it, it literally reminded me of, like, like there's this episode of Rick and Morty that, um, that, that does a parody of The Purge. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that episode, you see the people who, like, actually instigated The Purge, the rich people, 1% of the 1% at the top. Yeah. And then, basically, it reminded me of that. It's like, it's time to play the game. And it's like, okay, what is that? And then it turns out they're just, like, playing baseball on a field that they own Across the city, which they get to with their helicopters, right? Because the rich, the richest of the rich in New York, don't get, don't enter traffic. I mean, no, no, no.
0: Come on, come on. He, yeah. As we saw this season, he entered a helicopter to get into a private plane to get into a private island. Look, let's two separate planes. Let's be real. Let's value. be realistic. Come using traffic. <laughs> come on, come on. Come spending time. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, so do you have a favorite? This question is a two-parter again.
1: but is do you have a favorite moment of seasons one and two? Interesting. Okay. Um I think in season one, I really enjoyed the wedding episode actually. Because um that's um season um episode one oh nine. Um
0: oh that's that's a pre-wedding because the wedding is ten, isn't it?
1: Yeah yeah the yeah the pre-wedding. I think that episode is titled Prenuptials, if I'm yeah. if I'm correct. And mm-hmm. having all of them come together in that in that way, you 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 I think the thing that makes that episode special is the way that they're coming together as a family for a family function is chronicled by us meeting the mother of Kendall, Shiv, and Roman, Carolyn Collingwood, who is played by Harriet Walter. One of our
0: favorite characters on this show. She
1: is something else, man. Like, she is cold. She is distant. She is hilarious. And somehow, she's warm to everybody except the children even the audience she's one to us
0: i cannot explain to you how excited i am for next week's episode she literally lady caroline was literally in my dream last weekend i don't even i can't even explain it but i am here for her wedding
1: i'm looking forward to seeing that because like i mean they've been i like how they always hint at her existence then she and whenever she shows up it's like at the towards the end of a season
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: then you know it's something that's happening in, with either in her life or something around her because like they own that castle which contributes to all of their net worth but that comes from from her really yeah. and i think it's it, it was cool to watch all of that happening you see like all these different people schmoozing around them and you see how they how they treat people i think that was an interesting one i, I think the show kind of inadvertently made us imagine what was these people's life like when they were children Raised by this woman and this man. Because we've been seeing Logan. It's like, okay, what's the other half? What is oh, the I other mean, reason that they're the way they are?
0: Yeah, I think we... At least everyone that's come on this podcast is almost unanimous in agreeing that, like, she's a worse mother than Logan is a worse father. Like, as, as blow a bar as that is, like, it's still just like, yeah. wow. this kids yeah. did not stand a chance.
1: They, never. I mean, they had au pairs and everything, which... Is not even that on un- was not, it's not a- uncommon, but mm-hmm. they really never stood a chance in terms of becoming well rounded people, and that's proven by episode eight of season two, where Logan forces Kendall to return the return to the scene of his um, I like to call it New Chappaquiddick, <laughs> um, after what happened to um, Kennedy. And it's, I don't know, it's like listen, seeing that, seeing that torment just because he mentioned that oh, he might. You know, take care of yourself, be careful with um with Rhea Jarrell. And yeah. he takes such offense to that, he prevents him from seeing Naomi Pierce, right? And then takes him back to that place and he's traumatized. He goes and brings them back cash in the rain to put back in there. Then he tries to tell his mom what has happened and she flakes. Like that was actually kind of devastating. So sure, it's
0: like, say. can we can we talk about it in the morning? I'm just oh, just like, ugh. Oh. Also, I yeah, can't- and then
1: she just dips.
0: I can't believe you've just dropped a critic reference on this podcast. If I get cancelled, that's just like, that's on you. I, I don't want <laughs> I don't them coming for apologize. me. I apologise.
1: <laughs>
0: nah, it's it's insane. Final kind of entry survey question. Do you have a worst moment of the season so far? So obviously, not bad. worse as in a bad moment, like this show doesn't do bad moments, but it could be cringy or annoying or just painful to watch. I, I feel like we have a You have a buffet table of options in this in this category. Yeah, I
1: have one. I have a love hate relationship actually with, and it was even it's funny because it was even going to be part of my initial answer to moments I love from season two, season two, episode five, Turnhaven, where they go to meet the Pierce's. Right, so that dinner scene, like, there's so so much about that episode is fantastic because, I mean, we 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 saw in episode one the Summer Palace, right, Mm -hmm. of season two, where like the people around them are constantly working hard to create their reality, and they don't even notice. When they throw away the love stand, it's like, let's have pizza, just because there's a bad smell in the house, mm-hmm. right? The show has a funny way of making insane wealth seem unattractive. And it never lets you forget that every single thing these people enjoy is created by people toiling, doing thankless work. Yeah. So in that, we we, have, we actually see a moment there where like um, Nan Pierce, the matriarch of the Pierce family, is coming to bring up, like, the turkey that they're eating. And then the mm-hmm. person who actually cooked it is standing in the background looking wow, so disgusted. Wow, man, take your applause. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. And, like, that whole dinner scene, the moment where, like, they're trying to press them of like, who's going to take over? What's happening? And then Logan is trying to be aloof. And then Shiv just yells out, just fucking tell them it's going to be uh, me. Uh, I lost much. my mind. Like, I started to scream.
0: Uh, so uh, scream in
1: the middle of the night watching the show. So, so I have oh. such a lovely relationship with that because I hate that. And at the same time, I love it because I, it it shows Shiv's character. Because while Kendall thwarts himself, Shiv's issue is that she's good, but she consistently overplays her hand due to overconfidence. Mm-hmm. And that really burned her there. So that was it. And I think we've been seeing the aftermath of that in season three. So
0: um obviously rewatched season two Maybe for the second or third, I can't remember, before this, the new season dropped. And even even at like what the scene right now, even knowing what is going to happen almost word for word, I'm still like, Shiv don't do it, Shiv don't do it, Shiv don't do it. And it's just like, oh, you've Every done time. it. Every time. Oh, you've done it. And um, it's, it's nice that you mentioned the thing about the nine pairs taking the chicken or the turkey. I can't remember what it was. And mm-hmm. a friend of the podcast, Hajja, who also has our own film and TV podcast. Downtime with Hadja—that's the only free ad we do on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> she loves that moment because obviously it's the way you just showed her, like the Pierces might be the whole liberal progressive side or whatever, but they're still just terrible rich people. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay. Do you have a worst moment of season three so far?
1: Okay. So, one thing that comes to mind every time I think about the way the season has been going so far is episode three, Disruption. Mm -hmm. And like Mm -hmm. in that episode, we see Kendall really get into his stride of self-annihilation. Yeah. Because there's so many things he didn't have to do in that episode. It's like, okay, we get that you're feeling like a woke warrior. We see that it's disingenuous. Even though you don't, and you're not listening to your team, we see that you want to go on this show that you have no business going on. They will eviscerate you yet here you are trying to get on because you think it will prove something. You go talking to, to the writers of the show in a room you have no business being in. And then in addition to all of that, he goes to Waystar. Nobody wants him there. Nobody's expecting him there. It's a bad idea for him to go, even from his own standpoint. And he goes there just to pull a prank on Shiv as she's giving her first speech as president. Yeah. You know, it's like that. That was like having that like Nirvana song, um, Rape Me, like in there, that that, was, that like, Why? You didn't need to do that. Oh my and God. In a world where Shiv might have considered siding with you, now she's firmly against you on the level your father is. And she goes and sends out this letter, which was actually... Because I mean, I think that actually crossed the line on her part. Yeah, you know, of course. Kendall brought it on. Yeah, of course. That, 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 that was kind of a lot to deal with. And then even, I guess, more recently, when they're choosing the president, and we have this man talking about People on a truck coming to, like, oh my god. I mean, American I mean, trauma just hit me in the head. To be back. fair to
0: him, to be fair to him, he did say <laughs> that he can he will borrow from H, he doesn't have a problem borrowing from H. So, like, let's be fair to
1: him, <laughs> he's nah, not th- that guy. I've heard like that guy is basically Ted Cruz if he was more attractive and presentable, more charismatic.
0: Like, like he, he has this weird amalgamation of like Ted Cruz and also like said, and maybe like yes. even who's the one that had a a quote unquote engagement with a teenage with a an underage the new oh, I can't remember his name. This is weird. The senator that apparently might have had an underage girlfriend. Wow, I'm not sure which one that is. Can't, I can't remember his name, but anyway, it will come to me. Um, but yeah, he's like this is accommodation of them. Like he has their policies, but also way more charismatic and um telegenic so it's just like
1: yeah and more brazen too like he's not afraid that to say like justify mm-hmm. violence and hatred like he said i mean Schiff said his assistant punched a kid at a rally his assistant not even like a follower he's like literally and then he didn't assistant. say his
0: his previous assistant
1: yeah the person who is still working for him because he approves of the conduct like that's the kind of person we're dealing with here and Matt I mean, gates that's the that's the guy. Oh yes, yes. My gates. Oh my god. Matt gates. Oh, that, that's the a whole thing.
0: Um you said you mentioned something earlier about how in reference to the Summer Palace episode and the Turn Heaven episode about how the show shows you the people that are doing all the work to make this flashy thing look flashy, right? And the show always spends time on the preparation. Even for example the AGM meeting, we spend at least maybe 2 minutes we see people prepping and everything. Yeah. And I think another thing they've added this season is that they've shown us how other people are looking at the Roys. So, not only like, for example, z character, but now when a Roy leaves the room, sometimes we spend a second or so with another character to, to see an eye roll or to see like a what the fuck. For example, when Kendall goes to see the writers, like the writers go, he leaves and the writers are like, what the fuck just happened?
1: Yeah. Fun fact: That guy is an actual
0: writer on the show. Oh, is he? <laughs> he is. Even this, even the last episode, Kendall's birthday party, when he pulls off pulls out of doing the whole Jesus Christ Billy Joe performance,
1: that would have been horrendous.
0: Oh, it would have been terrible. And then, and then, when he leaves, Barry obviously tells Comfrey, "Like, thank fuck he didn't do that." Like, he's like, "Yeah." In previous seasons, we wouldn't have got that extra scene. Yeah, because it was all focused on the opulence of the of the royals, and now they're like, look. Come on, this this these guys are being dangerous to society. These are the guys that are choosing yeah. the next president. Like, this is how people actually think about them. Um, so my worst moment of the season, and anyone who's listened to our episode on episode um, seven would understand this, but it's the conversation between Roman, Shiv, and Kendall in the birthday party.
1: Yes. That,
0: that, that was made me so uncomfortable and not even uncomfortable, like just, not in the shave kind of turn dinner uncomfortable. This was just like I felt like I keep mentioning. I felt like I wanted to have a shower after. I felt grimy. I felt like this is just yeah. I went to do a whole tirade on that on that episode. So anyone can go back and listen to that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's my that's my worst moment of the season so far.
1: Too much birthday, too much birthday, man. I think it's also one of my favorite episodes because it it kind of. one of my favorite episodes and one of my worst moments because it really illustrates something that I've been looking at this season. Like, for example, the way you, you're saying that more and more the show is making us aware of how the people peripheral to the Roy's see them. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I think one other thing the show has been doing is giving us a sense of legacy really, Mm. because It does a very good job of like subtly reminding us from time to time that the less prominent lives in the story actually often include the next generation that nobody's really paying attention to. And that's, you know, Kendall's children, Logan's grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. What do Iverson and Sophie inherit after all this? You know, like, if Kendall said, like he like he said in episode four, season three, which might be one of my favorites of the season, actually, where they go to Aronson's Island. Yeah. That guy was really committed to showing off that island. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's like, it's as Kendall said, like Waystar is at the end of a long American century, right? What is yeah. the realistic legacy of this dynasty? And like, I sometimes worry about the grandchildren as a whole. And I think that's connected to the often lighthearted worry I have for Greg, who is also a royal grandchild, so to speak. And he's like the pioneer among the next generation after, you know, Kendall, Shiv, Roman, and Connor, you know. So listening to Roman talk about how they're sending people to like harass Sophie and their nanny Mm -hmm, and everything. mm -hmm. And Shiv is like, please lay off the drugs. Like, are you insane? Why would we do that? And Roman's like, oh yeah, we're doing that. It's no big deal. You can see the shock on her face. Like, Mm -hmm. She she has to to reconcile what she's now trying to do and what she's trying to be with her own more liberal sensibilities. You know, she's kind of antithetical to the things her family does in a way. And, she's ha- and I don't think she's really come to terms with it yet because it shouldn't surprise her that that's something they would actually try and yeah. do.
0: I mean, look, it comes off the hill of her trying to fight against the company picking a fascist as the next president. And then she's like, oh shit, this is, this is what I'm in yeah you guys were real you guys were like fascist fascist you guys were actually being serious oh i thought it was just jokes as long as it makes <laughs> us money yeah they're definitely pushing us somewhere like the show always does this where the last few episodes of the season just have this momentum and just you're like, oh that's what they are doing there and to have that back to back i can't imagine that as a mistake you can see where she is at the end of this episode and yeah i, I can't imagine that like her story ends in a, at least for me, I don't think it would be unsatisfying, but even just, I don't think it would be, be in a way that doesn't make sense in terms of story story development. Um, yeah. It was something that you mentioned about legacy is actually quite interesting because when you think about it, there's a big chasm between the the stalwarts, the old heads, right, and like everyone else. Because you have yeah. Logan. L- Logan is 80, isn't he? um you have logan frank carl jerry's is, is at least like 65 like at those, least yeah she's been in the company for 30 years hasn't she
1: yeah
0: and then there's that gap and then the next person excluding connor because connor is not in the company but the next person is then kendall who's 40 so you're like is there a 40 to is there a 30 to 40 year gap between like the top two generations of this like yeah is there no one in between and again, this this season is kind of making it more explicit because it's whole legacy media versus new money, new media. Like it's it's Waystar Royco versus Josh Aronson and versus um, Alexander Skarsgård's character. And you're like, okay, this is this battle between like I kind of said at the end of the Great
1: American Century.
0: Did you just light up at the mention of Alexander Skarsgård's character?
1: A little bit, yeah, <laughs> because I remember. I was so hyped for this season coming in, and then they started announcing the guest stars. You know, they talked about Adrian Brody, then they talked about Skarsgård, then they talked about Sanaa Lathan, and I was just like, "Oh my god, can, can this thing start already?" Like, I mean, I love that they play their roles so well. Mm-hmm. well. Part of the reason I'm sad about Kendall being dumb enough to fire the best lawyer that he could never have deserved is partly because Sanaa Lathan was was the one playing playing her yeah. and. Adrian Brody did a great job. Seeing Scarsgard, I was wondering what he was going to be in all this. I, I, I didn't know if he was going to be a shareholder, but having him as Scandinavian founder of Gojo is uh, that's an excellent use of that of, of that guy's talent.
0: So, I don't particularly like doing theories for shows, but I feel confident in doing it for this show because I feel like we'll 100% be wrong no matter what our, our ideas are. So, I'm just going to start you with some big theories that have been going on since literally episode one. All right, hit me. And then you, let me know your thoughts.
1: Let me know your thoughts. First of all, will anyone die? I do not think anyone will die. Okay. I am slightly afraid Kendall might try to harm himself, but I do not think that anyone will actually die. I hope yeah. not.
0: Yeah. I mean, this, the Kendall suicide thing has been up for a while but i just can't imagine these guys be like you know what let's get rid of jeremy strong we don't need him anymore he's done his part like uh-uh, that's that's terrible writing <laughs> you can't can't get rid of someone yeah. like jeremy strong and obviously yes everybody knows that logan was going to die in the first season so it's like but even whenever anyone anyone in the press asks brian cox for example do you think the writers can kill you He was like yeah i think they can kill me but i think they will miss me
1: <laughs> what a beautiful answer!
0: Yeah, I, I, it is. I can't imagine the show. I can't imagine the assumption. Be like, you know what? We're going to do two whole seasons without Logan. Like he might die at one point, but I don't think it to be like season three. But we'll see. I hope I'm, I hope I'm not wrong. I don't want him to die. Okay, is anyone wearing a wire? Ooh, I do not think that anyone is. For wearing context, a... the biggest um, hint, or rather, the biggest argument,
1: has been that Tom is wearing a wire. Well. That would be interesting because he did have a, he did send a lawyer to Greg's house and he may have outside counsel, but we we wouldn't know about it. Succession doesn't do like gotcha twists like that, but that would be interesting if he tried it. Yeah, yeah. Everything that would happen in succession, you would have been given enough evidence in front of your eyes to kind of piece it together if you were paying enough attention. And I think that if somebody is wearing a wire, it's probably it's probably Carl. It's probably <laughs> Carl maybe frank but it's probably carl because carl there's just yeah oh carl my god the CFO of the company. he's high enough I'm then the lo- to enough people and he's silent enough it's probably carl <laughs> like and i know you're dying right now because you know it's true
0: i'm just done at the thought of carl ready wire
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah because he would be so skittish about i mean
0: these. he makes sense because by all we, by all we know carl has this like terrible history of like prostitutes
1: exactly <laughs> and massage parlors so maybe <laughs> down with mo and the other guys
0: yep oh call. Cool. okay um this is not on my list but thinking about it now do you think this doj thing is over because i don't i think this comes back again sometime in the next two episodes it's going to be a number
1: just a number nothing custodial for anyone uh no prison Nah. nope we don't think so. Here's to us. To, uh, to us. And to justice. To, to, justice. 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 Yeah. to justice. I don't think that it's over. I think that um, we're at an inflection point right now. Mm. It could be false hope. Because the way think these things usually go, there is some kind of sense of potential negotiation. Um, one of the writers on the show, actually Lucy Preble, this season, she wrote a play about Enron, like the big corporate scandal that happened with that company all those years ago. Oh, okay. And they wanted Tony. So she's actually very well-versed in corporate scandal. And the show is really rooted in reality because Jesse Armstrong, I've, I've listened to him in interviews saying how he doesn't want things to be um, delving into fantasy territory. Mm. He always wants things rooted in reality. And every single thing they do in this show, there's probably an example of it out there somewhere, like, I mean, in, in terms of his, his approach to practicality, right, whether like they're shooting something practically instead of with a green screen or they're going to a location so that the actors can have like an, an immersive environment. Everything they do is kind of designed to make the audience believe that even though these people are all insane, everything that you're seeing in front of you is possible, is plausible, mm-hmm. and it has probably happened before. So I think that if we want to understand what's happening with the DOJ, we can actually look to previous situations where there have been huge corporate scandals. Like we can look at antitrust stuff of like Microsoft. We can look at Enron. We can even look at Facebook. And I feel like there's always a point where it feels like the GOG is going to let loose. Mm. But usually it's because they're trying to gather more stuff. So maybe it's going to be such that they're going to kind of leave them with a slap on the wrist and it's actually going to be a number. Then they will be able to continue with the next administration, probably through Menken, who is of their design. That would then be very lenient on them. Yeah. Or it's possible that all those plans are going to go down the water and then things are going to come down harder on them. Either way, they meddled a bit too much at the beginning and that's gonna come back to bite them. So I think it's an inflection. I don't think it's done.
0: Um do you think Tom will go to jail?
1: I don't think I don't think we can we can be sure either way, because if the if the DOJ thing pans out, um maybe he might, but I feel like even though he's offered himself up as a person to go to jail, I don't even know if like the DOJ would demand him. Like he's a big enough head, mm-hmm. but he's small enough that like the company can still run. Yeah. At the same time, they will probably try to go for someone like Logan. Or for all we know, they could go for Kendall or, or um or um or Roman instead, like even though they want Logan, right? So I don't so, yeah. think
0: this show is gonna shoot anyone. In prison clothes. 100%. I just, it just seems like an unnecessary stress. Yeah, I just don't see stress. them actually
1: going to prison. So I don't think anyone it actually goes to prison. Yeah, yeah, I just
0: like, it. just, I mean, I'll be looking for how to get in this quote because one of my favorite quotes by Jesse Armstrong is when they asked him if COVID was going to be in the show. And he was like, he always said, well, we had written most of the show before COVID even happened and whatever. But also, it didn't happen to the rich people anyways. So, like, why should we put it here? And I was like, oh, I love that her. man. And it's just that like, man. yeah, like, these guys play by different rules. So, like, I just don't see anyone going to jail. I'll be very surprised if someone goes to jail. Yeah. Favorite Lady Caroline moment?
1: Well, we already know my worst one. <laughs> um, I guess my favorite one was probably when she told, when she asked Shiv. How does it feel to be the second most important person at your own
0: wedding? Oh, I forgot about that.
1: <laughs> oh my god, that comes to mind. That was really, that was really good. That was like, wow, this is your mom.
0: <laughs> oh, I forgot. Mine was going to be uh, when she went around asking everyone how long they gave the, the marriage.
1: How long they gave the marriage? It's like, oh wow, like. You know, these guys are really proud that they brought the wine, huh? because like, Tom's parents like they supplied the wine. That's like the one thing they could do.
0: This woman is so good. She, so she how can you go around just asking how long do you think the, the, the husband and the your own daughter and your wife will be together? <laughs> at the same time you're insulting the, the groom for like his parents. I just remembered one nah, also he, when she basically pants. tells Greg about how his dad used to chase all the men in town. Oh my god. Your Greg, egg Your dad loved all the men in town. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Lady Carla. I can't And her husband-to-be is played by Pip Torrent, who's an actor I really like, so I'm excited to see that as well. Yay-o.
1: um That's
0: good. Okay. That's really good. My, the final question on my list, and it's very important. Will I see Tabitha this season? I miss Tabitha. I haven't seen
1: our season. What's going on? Uh, I do not think... I think that if Tabitha comes back, it's going to be in the wedding episode because they can't hide her for too long and that would be the perfect time to bring her back because like you said there is no there are no throwaway lines in this show yeah. and a lot of the back and forth vitriol between roman and shiv in 307 had to do with the fact that roman's repressed sexuality keeps coming out mm-hmm. every time he's complimenting someone insulting someone reprimanding someone it always has some kind of sexual undertone and that projection is very present in his life because he doesn't do anything Um, sexual in any way that's like normal or free. And I'm interested in seeing if they'll explore the childhood causes of that at some point. But Tabitha definitely is hugely affected by it. So maybe we'll see her. At least we know she still exists. The fact that the writers went out of their way to have she mention her, so the audience knows she exists, I think it's possible we'll see her in episodes 8 and 9.
0: I mean, this is an unanswerable question, but I just don't understand how... if you. How is Jess not Kendall's birthday party? Like as someone who loves Jess, like how is she not at the party? What's going on, Kendall? Why wouldn't you? I'm a huge Jess
1: fan. Very, very big Jess fan. And I I think it's quite possible that she couldn't make that she was either at the party and we didn't get to see her because she was really trying to take a break. Like, let Comfrey Mm, handle this, handle all this stuff. She deserves a break, yeah. Yeah. Or she was saddled with rabbit duty.
0: Oh, no, no, I hope It's not. possible
1: that he sent her to the house, like, oh, Jess, like, I know you probably don't want to be at this party, right? Like, imagine, he tells Comfrey, he's like, you know, go nuts, get your buzz on, and then he tells Jess, actually, like, the kids need to, oh, no, nanny's off today, right, so maybe we please. can check the rabbit. I think either of those two things is plausible. Oh, uh, mega, mega like,
0: thump. No, please. Yeah. <laughs> I hope she was somewhere in the corner like having a drink or having several drinks with Stewie I hope so I really really hope so yeah with Stewie maybe even like you know
1: that'd be great if she was talking to Stewie <laughs> that'd be fantastic Just if
0: you want to do some coke that's fine just do them in the right order not like Tom <laughs> do the drugs in the right order honestly
1: oh my god Tom.
0: oh Tom okay no, no. do you have any general theories predictions that I haven't covered yet that you want to just throw out now before we leave
1: yeah um Because above all else, succession is really incredible because the writers understand people. Mm -hmm. And the thing about people is that they're consistent in their thoughts and actions because mindsets don't change overnight, right? So I think if we're going to postulate what could actually happen in the final stages of this season, we have to really take stock of where each character is and what the person they represent would actually want. Like, what do these people want? Mm -hmm. For example, like, look at how Shiv... Even though like she's been elevated, she's kind of been made as a figurehead of the company. She's like the regional president now. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of yeah. power. And I already talked about how her liberal sensibilities don't really agree with what these people actually do. You know, she's kind of been put there. She thinks that it's acknowledgement by Logan, even though it's something that he's given to her, taken away, and now given to her again. Yeah. She's finally up there. But the unfortunate thing about that is it's clearly... Logan's way of being a bit of a woke warrior. While Kendall is making a fool of himself, yeah. Logan is making himself and the company seem more appealing by elevating a woman in this time of crisis where they've wronged two
0: me. two women. Right? Jerry as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Elevated Jerry. And and the crazy thing is that they feel that that's actually going to be enough. Whereas the show actually takes its time to show you that Carl and Frank don't exactly respect what Jerry is saying now that she has more power. Mm-hmm. Like they actually show Carl dismissing and ignoring her. And Shiv continuously feels sidelined. I mean, Logan humiliated her at the shareholder meeting, right? We saw what happened um in the next episode when they were talking to Menken. He didn't listen to her at all. Yeah. He said, I'm a climate denier, head. <laughs> And then and then on top of all that, it's like, okay, oh, what if this what if this season, like so so that kind of leads me to like my own projection of like what Shiv wants, right? Because now even in three oh seven, mm-hmm. The offer to buy Kendall out, and that's a two billion dollar buyout, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. she wasn't even brought into that conversation. Like at first, I thought, okay, Logan did this, and he's sending Roman to to like give it to Kendall. But but Roman was part of the of the the conversation, right? I think I think
0: shares would go to Roman. I think Roman's name is what. Yeah, Roman will own Kendall shares and his shares as well.
1: Exactly, because who? Because um, the way their their company works is that there's the public facing. Um, there's a public facing firm that is private that is that is um publicly owned and everything but then there's a family holding company that kind of actually controls all the power financially. Okay. So who owns that makes a lot of sense for their own corporate structure and that's why it's so important to oh, them. That would it mean. And it's in a clause for all the siblings that they can yeah they can only sell to family. So Kendall can only share his shares to like another Roy. So um. only Roman logan shiv or connor can buy him out i'm not even sure shiv might be able to still buy out once she marries Tom. so
0: where are they getting the money from
1: the money is not um,
0: personal money that's not
1: personal money it's personal money so i would i would estimate that logan's net worth if i like if i had to just put a number on it based on what i know about their assets the houses we've seen them like um in all their properties the value of their company and um just parallels to Media moguls in our own world. I say Logan is worth anywhere between eighteen and twenty-two billion dollars. Right, he can definitely afford to buy out Kendall. So, like between Roman, even if Logan didn't want to do it on his own, I say each of the Roy children is worth slightly north of five billion. Right, Connor maybe a little bit less, I should maybe a little bit less, but Roman and Kendall definitely have a lot of stuff because they are active in the company. They have salaries and everything. Their personal net worth from the Gojo thing would go up several hundred million
0: yeah she said so she said so yeah
1: so like i so that's a two billion dollar buyout it come from their personal money it could come from assets that they already have because they're essentially trying to free him of all his shares so that he can completely cash out and have no control over the company and so which means he'll probably also lose his board seat yeah definitely Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's very that's important to them wow okay so I'd say that because Shiv is feeling so out of that, she was left out of that conversation. That this is why she was so sad. <laughs> because she understands a fair amount of all of this. Mm-hmm. So then I wonder, like, okay, my first projection would be, what if this season ends with Shiv trying to join Kendall again, even after everything that's happened this season? What would that even look like? You know, then that might be like one possibility for like, you know, the the outcome of the season. We'll see how they talk at the wedding. We'll see what Kendall does when he comes there. And we'll see actually how Caroline Collingwood's presence would even influence all of that, <laughs> but it's 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 very interesting to me that that's something that 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 that's something on her mind, and what she wants is recognition and respect and I think that this season finally getting into the inner circle that she's been trying to get in since the beginning of season two, she's now starting to realize, okay I think I think maybe we're more toxic than I thought yeah <laughs> so so yeah. It's, it's just, like, um, a lot of mixed feelings for her. And another projection, I think, maybe is, like, even in the same vein, because, again, like, Succession at its heart, um, they know people, and the show is about legacy. It's about legacy and control. Like, a large amount of control in the hands of, like, a small group of people. So that's why it mirrors our own world, right? Yeah. So Roman is likely being used and gaslit by his father, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe Roman could actually end up being named as a new heir apparent after all that. Mm-hmm. Because say Schiff goes over to Kendall's side, Roman has actually been showing a lot of agency this season. Mm-hmm. Like, it would mm-hmm. be an interesting season arc for him, considering episode 301, where he overplayed his hand and was immediately dismissed by Logan in favor of Jeremy. Yeah, so Roman has had, like, a lot more consequential agency in the season. And I think the show has always made a point of showing that he has a fair amount of talent as a deal maker. Mm-hmm. Like you can call him the de facto closer among the siblings. Even if the Gojo thing is a sham, he was able to actually bring this guy to the table, and it's not the first time he's done something like that. You know, he was able to convince Lawrence to side with Kendall um, with when the um, um, when the vote of no confidence happened in yeah. One Six. Yeah. You know, so I think I think that that's a possible thing that that could go on. I don't know. I don't know if there'll be more projections based on certain relationships, like for example, Jerry and Comfrey. You know, if like sorry, not um Jerry, Greg Greg. Uh, Greg, Greg and Comfrey. So like I don't know if there'll be anything to come of Greg and Comfrey, but because Comfrey is starting to get fed up with what kendall's doing, we're actually seeing what someone like Jess might be feeling. Like Im- if Comfrey mm. feels this way, imagine what Jess is going through.
0: Yeah. Right. And this is what yeah. we feel
1: for Jess. But imagine that. And Combine that with where Greg is, like you know, what if there's some type of alliance to be found there? What if he mm. stops suing Greenpeace, which is actually very bad for his reputation? Like he <laughs> should stop that. <laughs> he should really stop that.
0: Oh, Greg Kersh. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, so I mean, I think I think, oh I think there's a lot to be said there, and I'm surprised they're doing nine episodes instead of ten this season. But when yeah. I see stuff like that, I also get a bit more confidence in the story because that just tells you that they knew exactly what they wanted to do and they made it mm-hmm. tight. Like Watchmen did the same thing, and I think that that has some really good results. Yeah. So, Watchmen, yeah,
0: oh, one of the best in recent years. Yeah, are those are those all your theories that you have to give us for now?
1: Um, in a sense, I do have a few more thoughts on um, on uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, I'll just call it projections that can come from the power of love. Right? Okay. Yeah, so um, first of all, Willa is really supportive of Connor these days. She is really, really, really supportive. She like is. before, she she used to feel used to feel like she was kind of feeling a bit awkward about where she was trying to reconcile. Okay, well, I need the money, and you know they are rich, and like I'm very comfortable, and he's funding my play. Like it felt like she was doing it under duress in a sense, yeah. but now it's like she's defending him in public. She's yeah. holding his hand. She's like not like if they could. For all we know, they'll get mm. married, right? And one thing that the U.S. really, really oh, likes... What about are the candidates is that <laughs> what are, are you doing? What
0: are you about to say? <laughs> Don't do this.
1: <laughs> so, that I have to because, in a sense, like if, if we're going to make projections about where the characters are going, we have to think about Connor as well, right? And Connor is actually still very serious about being yeah. present. And it's 1%. at 1%. That, 4 yeah,
0: it's
1: at 1% and that's 4 million people. The show goes out of its way to make sure we know that and that's enough to sway a race, like presidential races have been lost with like 10 percent of that number, you know, so uh, somebody is sure. it that he could side with somebody or somebody sides with him? So I think it's possible that Connor actually makes a tiny bit of headway in the political race by the end of the season. For all we know, what if he becomes Mencken's vice presidential candidate? and then at some point they get rid of Mencken and then Connor actually ends up president of the u s. Oh,'s less possible <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean that's I mean,
0: it's possible. But-
1: it's possible that feels. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely quite a reach. But if we're going to talk about what's just straight up possible, because I, I don't want to leave Connor out, because yeah, I think there's always a temptation to do that, and yeah. um, like I think I, I don't know. I don't know how much he's invested in what he actually wants. For all we know, after all this, he's just like you know what, this was fun, but I want to go back to the ranch. Like mm. maybe he, maybe he'll do that. You know. So I think um, the other half of the whole power of love thing. Is my thoughts on Kerry? I know you have thoughts too. <laughs> Kerry is a problem, right? She is a big mm-hmm. problem. It's very interesting how close she's come into the inner circle, right?
0: Way too close.
1: The fact that she's in look, she's in Logan's office toasting with them to the DOJ is grip. What? Like if you if you look at that shot, like the framing is so genius because you can see everybody in a circle, and in the corner, Kerry is there holding a glass. What type of person in her in her position would be holding a glass even anywhere near this floor? Let alone this room. Like she's she spoke there. She's back to the vice she, president she of America. Back. Like she did. Not, I'm just like, like oh, it's okay. very telling. She has a wild amount of influence right now. And when R- Roman was like, "Yeah, they're definitely sleeping together," she was like, "Nah." And like, it's it's quite possible that they are. I mean, I mean, I think the show wants us to believe that they are. Ah, yeah, I think
0: I think the show is telling us that they are at this point. The
1: fact that she knew about his UTI. What old man is going to tell? Like he like nah like, yeah. and yeah, she was basically too, yeah. building on him to yeah it's this is why I call it the power of love because it's fake love Willa's love is becoming more real whereas Logan's love is becoming more <sighs> fake
0: I just, <sighs> I just don't like that she's talking too much she I'm talking her a lot. Her. if I was she I would have slapped her a long time ago oh,
1: like she was she was really standing here like yeah you know it's bad business fuck him it's like wh- where did you get your MP? <laughs> yeah, who let oh, you in this room I don't
0: want <laughs> do to talk about Kerry please like okay um, hey before we leave here do you want to talk about Safe Spaces?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, so Safe Spaces is a um, is a short documentary that we made last year. Well, this year, over the course of about seven months, we recorded it in December of last year. Uh, and by we, I mean myself and the great Shadea Jai. It was all um, her idea, actually. She wanted to come in and um, she wanted to kind of explore the idea of love and culture and where they intersect. So we talked a little bit about what that could look like. And I know she'd had some conversations beforehand. So um, we kind of got to, to talking, like, I think at the beginning of the month or so, like after she got to Nigeria for like the Christmas period. And um, she explained the project to me. And I was initially coming on as a, um, like, I guess, to give advice on how it should be filmed and such. But then over time, mm-hmm. like I started to get more, I started to feel a bit more ownership of the project and like we started to get into a very collaborative space. So we kind of like started interviewing people. She, she handled all that and I handled a lot of the cinematography. We did some location scouting together and everything. And the film basically looks at um, the idea of love and how our culture, especially as Nigerians, but really any culture, how, how culture influences the ways we give and receive love. Mm-hmm. So. For example, do do you and I as um, as Nigerians have a, an approach to love that may be different from somebody from Japan, for example? What cultural values influence those perceptions of what affection should look like or what is even appropriate? How were people raised in that sense? What experiences do people have in their adolescence that now determine their approach to relationships? Things like that. So we talked to a few people. Um, in our um pressing phone generation and we get a sense of you know what secondary school um life was like in terms of like love and relationships what family life was like and what their own personal thoughts on it are so yeah we 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 started um at the end of last year and we spent gen- basically like the the first 7 months of the year making it and we released it in July and um, yeah, we hope everybody loves watching it. Um, we hope everybody finds out a little bit about themselves.
0: Where can people find it?
1: It is on YouTube, on Shadi's um, channel.
0: Yeah, so I'll put the link in the in the description. Um, yeah. I've watched bits of it, and it's it's really... I hope I've it, you can tell that it's well-made, just from the look and the cinematography. It's just also very insightful, and the some of the answers... I guess both of you were able to get from some of the uh, people you interviewed were quite like, Oof, okay, this is this is too close to home. But, <laughs> yeah, we got that yeah, a lot. But, yeah, it's very well done.
1: Yeah, thanks. We appreciate that. Thanks so much.
0: Join us next week when we'll be talking about episode eight, Kianti Shire, Lady Caroline's wedding, and then episode nine, the week after, All the Bells say. Both episodes are going to be written by Jesse Armstrong, head writer, and eight is directed by Mark Milloid. I don't know. if I assume nine would be two as well because, like, they usually do the first two and last two of every
1: season. That would be great.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. It will be. Thanks a lot for doing this. Thanks for bringing some like grown-up energy to the podcast. You,
1: <laughs> I appreciate you having me. Uh, thanks a lot. Thank you so much for listening to me ramble.
0: Trust me, it was all rambling to me. And for our listeners, it wasn't rambling to them either because they're used to my rambling. So, like, (laughs) anything you can bring is an improvement. But, yeah, thanks a lot for this. Thanks a lot for listening to the podcast.
1: Thank you for doing this. Which, by the way, the name of this podcast, Genius. I actually really like it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.
0: Um, Yeah, look, of course, you're welcome back anytime.
1: All right, great. Thanks so much. Uh,
0: Thank you. Um, Yeah, so that's it, guys. I don't know. Join me next week. i will talk about Succession again, because that's what we do here for now. Uh, shout out to my guest today, Ebube. Shout out to, obviously, my regular co-host, Obirajofiatcha, Gips, and our producers, Ebukandamani and Chinidui Heji. This episode was produced additionally by Moti Olgoshino, so thank you, Moti. Yeah, man, everyone, join us next week when we'll be joined by the great Daniel Kaluya. Bye, well, guys.